Welcome to the podcast for First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights. These are the audio versions of the sermons preached each Sunday. I hope you enjoy. Our first scripture reading comes to us from Psalms chapter 84. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young, a place near your altar, Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk in blamelessness. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. This is the word of the Lord. Our second reading today is Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For our struggle is not against the enemies of blood and flesh, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Stand, therefore, and fasten the belt of truth around your waist and put on the breastplate of righteousness. As shoes for your feet, put on whatever will make you ready to proclaim the gospel of peace. With all of these, take the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times, in every prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert and always persevere in the supplication of the saints. Pray also for me, so that when I speak, a message may be given to me to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it boldly, as I must speak. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It was 1940 in the south of France, 
War and rumors of war were everywhere, even in the small, humble village of La Chambon-sur-Lignon. Nestled in the mountains of the south of France, about 350 miles from Paris, the population of this village was about 5,000 people. They were largely French Huguenots and Calvinist Protestants who had settled in this area in the 17th century. And the fact that they had come in the 17th century when France was a predominantly Roman Catholic country, these Calvinist Protestants knew what it meant to endure persecution. And this experience prepared them for the mission they were about to undertake. By 1942, the French were cooperating with the Nazis. The Vichy government deported 75,000 Jews from Paris and made informing on Jews a patriotic duty. There was a young pastor by the name of André Trochme who had initiated a working relationship with a leading American Quaker who told Pastor Andre that while Quakers might be able to get internees released from the camps, they had nowhere to send them. Trochme assured this leader from America that his village, his small little village, would take in the refugees, whoever was sent. In 1942, Pastor Andre delivered a sermon that said in part, the Christian church should drop to its knees and beg pardon of God for its cowardice. The young pastor enlisted the help of 13 other Protestant ministers in La Chambon and the surrounding area, and the people of La Chambon began to understand that it was their duty to help people in need. By the middle of the occupation of France, there were seven houses in La Chambon, financed by Quakers, Catholic Church, clergy, the Red Cross, and Sweden for children, mostly Jewish children, whose parents had been deported. They came by train to the small village where they were protected. When the German soldiers would come to inspect the town, to look for anybody hiding, they would send the children and the adults out into the woods surrounding this small village, out into the hillsides. And there they would hide until the German soldiers left the town. And then the townspeople had a song they would sing that would tell their refugees it was safe to come home again. The refugees received food, clothing, and false identity documents. Many were helped to cross the border into Sweden, which was a neutral country. The children who were being hidden attended school and took part in youth organizations. And to maintain a look of normalcy, they also were encouraged to attend the Protestant services. However, Pastor Trochme, his desire was not to convert these Jews to Christianity, but to protect them and their dignity and their religious freedom. So he also encouraged them to hold clandestine religious services so they could hold on 
to their religion and their faith. When the authorities became aware of the pastor's involvement, they commanded him to stop. His response to them was this. These people came here for help and shelter. I am their shepherd. A shepherd does not abandon his flock. I do not know Jews. I know only human beings. Andre Trochme was arrested, but he was released. And during his arrest, his wife Magda continued his work. His cousin Daniel Trochme was arrested and died in the Buchenwald concentration camp. The charge against him was protecting Jewish children. Pastor Trochme continued to respond to calls for help to hide the Jews, even when it jeopardized his life, the life of his wife, and his own children. Huguenots and Protestant Calvinists believed in the dignity of all human beings. This was the center, the moral core, of Pastor Trochme's life and ministry, and he could do nothing less than protect those who needed his protection. He asked nothing less either from the people of the village, and they responded. Ironically, the residents of the town never spoke of what they were doing, not to each other, not to anyone else. They simply did it. And even after the war, they did not speak of it even when the refugees had left. No records were kept. And because no records were kept, the number of Jews saved ranges anywhere from 800 to 5,000. Once Le Chambon became a city of refuge, the people of the village felt compelled to diminish suffering wherever they found it and put into actions the principles in which they believed. The responsibilities of Christians, they said in church, after an armistice with Nazi Germany was signed, the responsibility of Christians is to resist violence through the weapons of the Spirit. Ephesus was a town vastly different than La Chambon. It was a militaristic town, a town that was filled with Roman soldiers, a town in which Christians were harassed and persecuted daily. You probably remember, those of you that were here from Alex's most recent sermon series, that Christianity was illegal until 313. And so the people of Ephesus lived in fear of their lives. They lived continually under the thumb of the Roman military. And these are the people to whom the writer of Ephesians writes when he tells them to put on the full armor of God, to wear the breastplate of righteousness, to carry the belt of truth, to put on shoes of faith and the shield, shoes of peace, excuse me, and the shield of faith, 
the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. The people of Ephesus have weapons of the Spirit that are far more powerful than any of the military weapons carried by the Roman soldiers. And they are invited to put on these weapons so that they can stand firm against the powers and principalities encroaching upon them, filling their city with fear. We, too, live under powers and principalities. The word of God, as it comes through the ages, compels us to live as those who are willing to fight, even at the risk of our own lives, against the powers and principalities of our culture. That is exactly what the people of La Chambon did. They fought against the powers and principalities of their government, of Nazi Germany, of the French, of all those who stood for evil and against human beings. What about us? What are the powers and principalities that we face? Where and when do we need to make sure that we have on the full armor of God? When do we need to carry the sword of truth and walk in shoes of peace? Can we be extremists, extremists of love, peace, and boldness in the face of current persecutions and injustice? Can we move with courage and certainty through a culture that works against much of what we believe as Christians, as followers of Jesus' way? The advice given in Ephesians is unpopular advice. It's not the kind of advice that's going to make lives smoother or easier. And that's a, tro- a problem that we have as Christians who live in a very privileged way. We have a problem with giving up our privilege and taking on the struggle. And yet that is exactly what the Christian faith asks us to do day in and day out. The advice, the, the advice given in Ephesians does not make things smooth and easy. It echoes the words of Paul in his letter to Romans where he says, Be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the same kind of thing that Mary Magdalene, sing, or Mary, mother of Jesus, sings in her Magnificat. When she learns she is pregnant with Jesus and she sings this beautiful song about the rich being sent away empty and the poor being full, about the rough places being made plain. These words in Ephesians, which some may hear as a call to war, are in reality a call to live with righteousness a call to live in right relationship with God, with ourselves, with others, a call to live in justice and peace according to the word of God. And not just when it's easy, but in every single moment 
of our lives. It is a call that we need to hear loudly and clearly today. We are being urged and invited to stand firm for that which is spirit-filled and transcendent, for that which is renewing, a life lived in the love of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit. We are being compelled to be humble and to be unpopular and even perhaps to suffer ridicule. We are not being told to be stubborn in our beliefs or to stand firm so that we hear no other point of view. Quite the contrary. We are being invited to stand firm in what we believe but engage in debate, to listen, to consider alternatives so that we can achieve goals that are beneficial to our world and at the same time meet the standards of our Christian principles. One of the things that we can understand as a power and principality today is the whole issue of refugees. Our government wants to deal with refugees in one way. Our Christian faith, I believe, compels us to consider other options to debate and listen to each other so that we can reach an end that is beneficial for all. For example, I might say, let them all in. Everybody come. Everybody's welcome. We can, we can work it out. After all, that's what it says on the Statue of Liberty, right? And someone else might say, keep them all out. We can't have them taking our jobs, using up our resources, our medical care. We have enough trouble already. And somewhere between those two polar extremes, we are asked to put on the armor of God, to put on the breastplate of righteousness, to take the sword of the Spirit, to stand firm in our convictions, but be open to conversation that will create a better world for everyone. We are compelled to stand firm in the way of Jesus, to walk with shoes of peace. Refugees are not the only issue that we face in this country. Currently, corporate greed is out of control, but particularly the pharmaceutical companies have been noted lately. We are finding ways in this country to provide Narcan at no cost, to individuals, to police departments, to fire departments, to emergency rooms. Narcan is the drug that uh, reverses opioid overdose effects. And we have found a way to provide that free. Yet young people, or people that are uninsured, or even people that have insurance but it doesn't work very well, are dying from diseases like diabetes because they can't afford their insulin anymore or they can't get an EpiPen that could save them from a severe allergic reaction. Where is our sort of truth? Where are our shoes of peace? Where is our breastplate of righteousness? We must carry the weapons of the Spirit, not that others might be harmed, 
but that justice and love might prevail. People have stood firm before us, and they are people to whom we can look. For example, Margaret Sanger in the fight for women's rights, Nelson Mandela against apartheid, Martin Luther King Jr. in his fierce commitment to nonviolent civil disobedience. And if you haven't read a new book called Just Mercy by Brian Stevenson, Just Mercy by Brian Stevenson, I encourage you to go home and order it on Amazon because he addresses one of the greatest powers and principalities that we face in our world today, our criminal justice system. The problem with standing firm in our resolution to follow Jesus, the problem with arming ourselves with the shield of faith, is that it is going to increase our stress and anxiety. Sorry about that. I mean, we all have enough stress and anxiety. But see, when we engage in things that matter, that have the opportunity to make a difference, then it's normal for stress and anxiety to go up. We're working against the powers and principalities of our culture. Of course, it's going to provide stress. But we, friends, we have the full armor of God. We have the weapons of the Spirit. Like the people of La Chambon, we can make a difference in the lives of 800, in the lives of 5,000, in the lives of one. We can make a difference. When we remain engaged in the struggle, our lives have meaning. That's where we find the abundant life that Jesus talks about. Our lives have deep, purposeful meaning, the kind that comes when we are rooted in the love of God, when we are fit with the armor of God. The spiritual resources that we are given are the things which give us the ability to stand firm and fight for justice, for righteousness. We cannot engage in these struggles with human resources alone. It is not enough to just want to be a good person. That's a good start. But we need the Spirit. We need the armor of God if we're really going to make a difference. I asked you earlier what you thought the powers and principalities of this world were or are. And I've mentioned a few, but I'm going to suggest a few more. There's addiction. There's that celebrity culture that we so admire. There's sex and money and making heroes out of our sports figures instead of people like John McCain. There's fashion that suggests young women only are, beautiful, are only beautiful when they look like stick figures. And beyond our culture, there are things like the civil war in Syria, nuclear weapons, and rights for LGBTQ people around the world. We can all add to this list because each one of us lives under our own powers and principalities. Each one of us lives under powers and principalities that keep us from living in a way that God most desires for us. 
So today I implore all of us, myself included, to be willing to stand firm for that which we know to be right. I encourage all of us to seek debate and information and find a way to talk to each other and to listen to our differences so that we can each gain a deeper understanding of what it means to live the Christian way, what it means to live Jesus' way. I encourage us to wear proudly our breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the helmet of salvation, and the shoes of peace. Like the people of La Chambon, like Nelson Mandela and Margaret Sanger and Martin Luther King Jr. and Brian Stevenson and others who walk with us this very day, may we use our weapons of the spirit in a conspiracy of goodness to, to perform acts of compassion. May it be so for you and for me. Amen. Thanks for listening. And if you want to learn more about First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights, please visit www.firstpresah.org for more information on service times, directions, and to learn more about the First Pres family of faith.